The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cox Media Group Ohio. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. This is WHIO's Consumer Warrior, Clark Howard. Beware scam artists in Dayton. I'll find you out. This is WHIO meteorologist, Kirsty Zantini. If weather breaks this hour, we will break it. And you're listening to an Ask the Expert weekend on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. There is a season season the bob and gloria show and the show about how we change how we age and how we care for one another i'm bob wolf each week on this program sorry i didn't have you on there you didn't have me on okay well i'm gloria shanahan and that over there is for, bob at the board who's who not doing a very good job today <laughs> anyway each week on this program we bring you topics to challenge your heart and mind with subjects that touch on a range of human experiences and everyday challenges. 457-1290 is the number to join us at any point today. We'd love to hear from you. That's 937-457-1290 anywhere in the area. You can also write to us at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com or by regular good old mail at There is a Season, care of WHIO Radio, 1611 South Main Street, Dayton, Ohio, 45402. You have heard us discuss the opioid crisis before on this program. We've had over the years Sheriff Phil Plummer on this uh, this station here and on our program. Uh, we've been visited a number of times by Captain Mike Brem, who's with the Range Task Force, and uh, he also wears a number of other hats, too. In speaking about the opioid crisis, you hear from these gentlemen and others a lot of numbers, grams or pounds of drugs seized, tens or th- hundreds of thousands of dollars also found through drug seizures right in our area. And the battle, of course, wages on between law enforcement and criminals. And you can define criminals in a lot of different ways, of course, a lot of different degrees of criminals. Um, Our culture wages a battle with itself as we enjoy our freedoms, certainly. We also seek legal and illegal paths to recreation and escape and the mitigation of pain and so forth. And, of course, we've got cartels as efficient as major corporations, though simultaneously vicious and deadly, trying to uh, continually satisfy the bottomless appetite for chemical diversion of some kind. Of course, as many families in our area know, the numbers that matter even more are the human numbers. Yeah, and there are a lot of different lists people can source engaging the severity of the opioid crisis in their corner of the world. One list that caught the attention of leaders in this area was a 2016 study by ArrestRecords.com ranking that ranked Dayton number one in the nation for overdose deaths. To clarify, this was the percentage, the rate of overdose deaths attributed to opioids. Now, it can be a misleading ranking because there are many larger cities with more overdose death in general and from opioids, but it's the percentage at that time. 50.6% that were due to opioid overdoses in our area. It's kind of given Dayton a reputation in some ways in in this regard. There's an awful lot of cities in the country and and, uh, metro areas are struggling with this, and not just the metro areas. It's in small-town America, too, Uh, you know, all across the country. Uh, But Dayton has had its share and more than its share for a variety of different reasons. But regardless of the formulas and the deaths per capita and all of that, the country continues to... Uh, deal with the epidemic in different ways, you know, in terms of its funding and in terms of the people who are pointed at it and what their capabilities are and so forth. But today, we boil all these numbers down to one. One story of addiction, of despair, of unbelievable resiliency, and ultimately of recovery. And this is a story you will want to share with your friends and family. So we'll tell you how to access the podcast of this show a little bit later on in case you miss portions of it today. In the meantime, you can get your friends to tune in uh, to this station or they can listen online anywhere in the world at whio.com to catch the program. So without further delay, we welcome our guest, Billy Brockschmidt, to There is a Season. And welcome aboard. Yes, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. There's so much we can ask you here uh, in, in the course of this conversation. There's a lot of different things 
um, you know, from again, from your your personal story here, there's things that connect to policy and to what's going on to help mitigate or to reach the, the lives of addicts. And let's just start with the most personal thing for you. Uh, how did you become addicted? When did you become addicted? Well, uh, for me, it started when I was uh, when I was serving in the military. I had had a, a series of operations on my uh, on my kidney. Uh, over the course of 18 months, I had to have three operations done. I was on convalescent leave off and on most of that time. Uh, I was getting at least 100 Percocets every single month. So uh, at the end of the, when my leave was up, I was, of course, hopelessly addicted and uh, completely unprepared for it. I didn't know uh, anything about addiction. I'd never been told words like, you know, detox, dope sick, nothing like that. Everything I knew about addiction was what they told me in high school health class, you know. So um, the first time <clears throat> that I got... Uh, that I went through uh, withdrawals, my wife at the time and I, we both thought that I was dying, right? So we took, she took me to the hospital on base there and uh, this, I'll never forget this the rest of my life. That was, they gave me a shot of morphine when they seen my symptoms. That was how they treated it. And it was IV, right? So I instantly felt better. It took a couple seconds, right? And that's when I knew what was, what was going on, what it would take to, uh, to, to avoid that feeling again. The, the detox is absolutely horrible. Um, it's really hard to, um, Without a common point of reference, it's very difficult to explain to someone that's, that's never been to it before. But I'd, li I'd like to take a shot at it, if that's yeah, okay. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Let me just back up one step here. So when you've been on Percocet continually mm -hmm. to, to that degree, you're not even aware uh, at that point. It's, it's almost like that's your, your vitamin, that's your daily uh, regimen. You're not even aware necessarily that you're becoming addicted over time. Absolutely not. Yeah, I, ha I had no idea what was going on. Uh, you know, when your doctor prescribes you so you trust your doctor you know and when you when you're prescribed something he says look take these when it hurts and that's what i did and so yeah so that's exactly what happened yeah and so what's happening now you know continue on it what's hap what happens to your body in the course of that and and leads you to this point of being terrified of being you know getting sick yeah so the the detox um for for opiates uh is so if you take away the severity of it and look at just the symptoms it's a lot like the flu, right? So you have uh, you have nausea, you have diarrhea, you have uh, really severe um, aches and pains throughout the body. And there's also some psychological things. You're usually there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. So if you think about the worst flu you've ever had, right, it probably incapacitated you for a day or two, right? So imagine that times like two or three hundred, and that's not an exaggeration. That's really what it feels like. It's absolutely crippling. So, Which, you know, relevant considering how many people are getting the flu this year. Yeah, they have some point of reference on this, but you're saying. By many more magnitudes. Absolutely, yeah. But the, the symptoms are, are the same. It's just a lot worse. So people in active addiction, are uh, they're very, um, they're fearless when it comes to avoiding that feeling. They, they will do things that they know are, are deadly to them. Uh, every, every person I know is aware that fentanyl, is a very small amount of it, is potentially deadly. But they'll do it because they know it'll avoid them from feeling those detox so they'll risk wow. that. In other words, it's one thing to, to get it cerebrally that you may take this thing and you may not come back from it. You mm -hmm. might die today, but it's better than going through the sickness. A absolutely. Yeah. Like like I said, no fear of death when it comes to avoiding detox, but we are terrified of the detox itself. And in and, and my case, in the case of most of my clients, I've, you know, it wasn't about partying. We weren't out trying to have fun. I was just trying to avoid the detox. I didn't you want to, wanted to get well. You didn't yeah, want to be addicted, absolutely. but you were afraid of the detox. Let's go after that just for a moment since since mm -hmm. we've talked about it here. Uh, there, there may be an impression in the minds of a lot of people that uh, drug addiction may start or may simply be one stop along the highway that started you know, by drinking, went to marijuana, went to something else, hey, sample this, try that, and so forth. Like there's this increasing you know, sampling activity going on. It's not what you found really statistically is it correct uh that's i mean that's certainly true for for some but uh eight, eight out of ten uh people that are at least the opiate addiction it started off with medicine that their that their physician pre prescribed to them and uh you know it's like i said it's not just to get up and go to work like you said you got to get well first right you, you can't do anything else so that takes the priority uh as far as you know your time and your resources and, and eventually you know you end up losing all that stuff you know your job your house uh, it will take everything away but in the beginning i mean i used for eight years before i started losing everything explain what a day was like then you know back when you were coming out of the service and so forth and realizing you had this issue explain what your day would be like trying to obtain this and maintain this uh mm -hmm. this sense of not being sick well initially it was uh like i said prescription medicine and i was i was very good at uh, if my doctor would not prescribe me anymore i would doctor shop 
right? So, and I did this even while I was active duty. I would go to various hospitals in the area, fake an injury, you know, say, say, you know, back pain was a common one. And plus I had just had three surgeries. So all I had to say was it must, you know, maybe some scar tissue or something. Uh, you know, we get pretty creative as far as uh, and no cross-referencing of records or your history. You could basically walk in and... At that time, you know. correct. As things are a little bit different now. Uh, but yeah, at that time, I did it. The, the the hospitals in that particular area, I'd been to all of them several times. And, you know, the, uh, the what do you call them? The, you know, the doctor's office, the the, the emergency care... Urgent like care. Urgent care cares. clinics, yeah. Those are uh, were a very popular place for, you know, myself and others to go through. So uh, it started off like that. But, uh, you know, eventually it did get to the point where... The physician, my urologist at the time, he would no longer prescribe me any more opiates, right? I was no longer in his care. So I had to buy the buy the pills on the streets, and they're, and they're extremely expensive. So there's there ends up being two motivations for uh, for escalating things to, to the more harder opiates like opi- or like heroin and, and fentanyl. And a big one is the cost. Uh, you know, a pill, a Percocet, well, you know, it can be 10 bucks. For that same, and, and it won't, and that's one pill. It doesn't last very long at all. I would need to eat eight of those pills to know I took any. So around here in Dayton, you mean for, for a single for a single dose? Yeah, to put yeah, in. all at once. Yeah, I would need to eat at least eight to feel anything at all, and it wouldn't be enough to really get me well. I would just, I would just, I wouldn't be feeling horrible. And that's the black market price you're saying? That's yeah, that's on the street. That's been obtained through theft or through however, some, however, I have no idea you, how they get them. Yeah. Corrupt doctors, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. could, Absolutely, you know. yeah. Uh, so heroin here in uh, in Dayton, which honestly is mostly fentanyl, we don't have a whole lot of heroin here. But uh, for ten bucks, for that same price, you can get about a tenth of a gram, and that'll last you most of the day. For, so for that same it's, price, it's just simple economics at that point. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And plus, like you know, eventually you get to the point you take pills and pills. You know, a Percocet is mostly aspirin. There's a little bit of of dope in it, but it's mostly aspirin. So eventually you'll get to the point where you'll get sick from the aspirin before you get high off the little bit of dope that's in it, right? And so it's just not doing the same. You have to take more and more to get so, the same effect. So in, in your mind, as you're, as you're coming off this and your doctor's saying, I'm not going to write your stuff anymore, mm-hmm. uh, your mind is still thinking at this point, well, my goal here is to not get sick, but I'm going to go through the legal means sure. of doing this. I'm not crossing over yet to this other side uh, because the legal thing hasn't been exhausted. I'll shop as many doctors as I need to. Correct. How long did that go on? Years. That that went on for years. And, it, and it, there was also the, the stigma was attached to it. I didn't want to be a junkie that used a needle. I was, I was I, you know, I was above that. You know, even as a person in active addiction, that was my thought process at the time. And like I said, this is the first, you know, several years. That so you it think on. a lot of people go through that separation? You know, I, I may have this issue, I'm dealing with it, but I'm not that. Absolutely. Yeah. Even, even among people in active addiction, there's, there's, uh, there's a disconnect between those of us that use needles and those that never did. So, but a lot of people eventually go to the, the needles. They eventually will because it requires, like I said, that you build up a tolerance. It requires more and more to accomplish the same task. And plus, the big thing with the uh, the needle is that it's instantaneous. You know, you eat a pill, you got to wait 20, 30 minutes. Right, right. Hey, we're just getting started here. We have got a lot more on this topic, including uh, what happens to an addict uh, physically, psychologically, socially. We'll talk in depth about Billy's story. We're going to talk about what hitting rock bottom means and a lot more. Plus, a little later on, we're going to give you some important resources you need to know about right in our area, ways that you can get started in dealing with some kind of recovery from addiction. you got a call for us today, 457-1290, 937-457-1290, when we continue. You're listening to the There is a Season show on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. When the Miami Valley gets hit with breaking news, severe weather, or traffic tie-ups, depend on us for up-to-the-minute information. AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Here with Hope for Today, lead pastor of Fairhaven Church, David Smith. I often ask people, what do you have faith in? Sounds like an odd question, but we all have faith in something. It may or may not be God. It could be money, our job, our family, our spouse, our abilities, or our golf game. Regardless of what your answer is, we all do have faith in something. So what is it that you have faith in? At Fairhaven Church, we're brought together by an amazing hope, which we don't have to do anything to earn, but we are simply invited to accept. We look for answers together in this uncertain world, and we find them. We would love to have you join us. Hope for Today with David Smith, lead pastor with campuses in Centerville, Northmont, and Springboro. 
For information, visit fairhaven.church. Fairhaven Church. Find hope. Five Rivers Metro Park's Second Street Market is now open on Sundays from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. through the end of December. This summer you can enjoy fresh local produce from the outdoor farmer's market and then stop inside for delicious lunch options, artisan breads, cheeses, flowers, and homemade crafts from more than 40 different Dayton area vendors all weekend long. Plan your next visit at metroparks.org slash local food. Baby boomers have shared their frustration about how much tax they pay. Let me reverse that for you and put the emphasis on saving taxes. This is Chuck Oliver, founder of the Hidden Wealth Solution, and I've been helping clients for over two decades to get their retirement on track and avoid the tax traps. Daily, I see clients paying taxes needlessly instead of maximizing their financial future. Learn how to save unnecessary tax and optimize your retirement. Visit retirementprotected.com, retirementprotected.com. At Miami Valley Gaming, a Buckeye in your pocket is lucky. And with over 1,800 gaming machines... Hey, Lucy. Oh, wow. It's Bucky, the Buckeye Farmer. Who are you talking to? I'm talking to the people. So there's tiny people inside the microphones? Awesome. Aw, Bucky. Visit Miami Valley Gaming just off I-75 at exit 29. Get ready to get lucky. Must be 21. Gambling problem in Ohio? Call the gambling helpline at 1-800-589-9966. Attention used motor homeowners throughout Ohio and Indiana. Paul Sherry RVs in Piqua wants you. We buy used motorhomes, all makes and models considered. Call 1-888-318-4870 to sell us your used motorhome. Not sure what it's worth? Our on-site appraisers will give you top dollar, whether you're selling or trading in. We buy motorhomes at Paul Sherry RVs. Exit 83 off I-75 in Piqua. We all have our routines. And for some things, routines are perfectly fine. But there's no such thing as routine breast cancer. At the James at Ohio State, you get a multidisciplinary team that specializes not just in cancer, but breast cancer. They focus solely on the prevention, detection, and treatment of breast cancer, providing care that's far beyond routine. For more information, visit cancer.osu.edu. Hi, this is Teresa from Brookhaven Retirement Community. Fall is just around the corner with Farmer's Almanac predicting a difficult winter. We invite you to check out our independent living apartments at Brookhaven, where you live independently with lots of amenities like emergency call systems, wellness checks, meals, utilities, housekeeping, and snow removal. Call today to schedule your tour at 833-4006. Brookhaven Retirement Community. Expect to be impressed. Flu season is rearing its coughing, aching, feverish head. Protect yourself in just minutes with a flu shot from Discount Drug Mart. No appointment necessary. Most insurance plans accepted with a zero copay for most Medicare, Medicaid, and several private plans. Discount Drug Mart saves you the runaround. Noticeably cooler today, waking up in the 50s, rising to about 68 degrees this afternoon, which is actually below average. We'll keep lots of clouds in place with a slight chance of a stray shower and a bit of a breeze that may make it feel cooler. I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags on the Miami Valley Severe Weather Station, AM 1290 on News 95.7 WHIO. Dayton and Springfield Station for 24-hour news, weather, and traffic. And our Ask the Expert weekends, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. And 457-1290, if you'd like to join us in this conversation today. We're talking about the face of addiction. One person's struggle with opioid addiction, what it did to his life and his journey to this point today. That person is Billy Brockschmidt. And perhaps it's a story that will resonate with you or your family or someone you, someone you know, someone in your circle who may be struggling with this or has struggled with it historically. So, again, if you want to weigh in or you've got a question or a comment or even if you'd like to leave a message to have uh, someone contact you back, 457-1290 is the number today. Uh, Billy, as we were going to the, the last break, we were just getting on the edges here of what happens with addiction, uh, the enormous percentage of people who become addicted uh, through things that they're prescribed, mm-hmm. you know, for injury or whatever. And this this mental split where people may know full well that their activities may may lead to death, but it's more important to avoid getting sick. Correct. Let's talk a little bit about what you went through in avoiding that 
kind of your descent down into addiction after the or during the Air Force and so forth. Sure. Well, for me, this this process took many years. I I stayed with the pills as long as I, you know, as long as I could maintain it financially. It just got too expensive at some point. And again, it wasn't doing the trick for me anymore. Uh, So eventually, you know, they uh, the Air the, the Air Force got wise. Right. And they ended up drug testing me several times and I failed three times and then uh, failed three UAs. Uh, they ended up, uh, I ended up being court-martialed. I went to jail for six months. And, we, you know, when I got out, there was no treatment for me when I was when I was uh, locked up in there. So I pretty much got out in the same mental condition that I went in there in. You know, I was still addicted. Nothing nothing changed for me inside my head. So <clears throat> you uh, go through, you know, I, I was functional. I, I was still able to function. I was able to hold a job and stuff for years. Now, I, I would lose those jobs, but I, I could always get another one back then, you know. And this this went on for years when I was uh, now you you mentioned mental addiction there say physically you've gone through a certain amount of withdrawal mm-hmm. right what is going on still that after six months you're still not changed well for one uh, you know after the and it doesn't take uh, it doesn't take long to to get to this point but at some point the the drug becomes your coping mechanism all right and I don't just mean for when bad things happen when when good things happened I wanted to take pills. You know, no matter what was going on, that was how that was how I went about. You know, either celebrating good it, good news, bad news, exactly. News, yeah. yeah, that was that was. It becomes the only coping mechanism you have, right? So, you know, a lot of people have exercise or whatever it is they do, and that's how they deal with their stress. Any stressors at all, and if you think about things like family, financial things like that, that most people are able to deal with regularly. You know, uh, through through healthy measures. People that are uh, in active addiction, they'll self-medicate to deal with all that stuff, and they usually do it with their drug of choice. So part of your makeup psychologically had then sort of been hijacked by drug use. Aside from whatever you went through, not having it physically, Mm -hmm. uh, you still, they had kind of fused with your your personality and your mentality at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So the whole time that I was in in jail there, the the only thing I wanted to do, and, and this is sad to even admit, but... More than I wanted to see my wife again, I wanted to get go see a doctor and get some more pills. That was the first order. And when they released me, that's exactly what I did. So, so you knew you were you were hooked that way, absolutely, uh, yeah. mentally, and all of this. Um, so then, after that, what what was the next step? Well, the next step downward is what you're talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We only got about thirty seconds. So oh, okay. Get, well. It just took a series of, uh, of, like I said, losing jobs. You end up selling a lot of your possessions. You know, I sold, I don't know how many times I sold my son's Xbox to, uh, so that I could, or pawned it rather, so that I could go grab. And, you know, you end up losing uh, all your, all your relationships, you know, all your healthy relationships go away. It gets to the point where the only people that you now know are in the same boat that you're in as far as addiction goes. And your so. number one focus then, your lover at that point is, is yeah, this. It's, 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 it's your go-to for every situation. We're going to go to the break here. Uh, we, we have so much more we want to get into here uh, today. We're going to talk about uh, a lot more of what happened with Billy on the way down and also what were the key factors that helped save his life and may save the life of someone you know. If you've got a question today or a comment, 457-1290. We'll have much more right after the news. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. It's our Ask the Experts weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather and traffic, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. This is the station Dayton turns to first for live team coverage of breaking news. WHIO Dayton Springfield. Your news starts now. Depend on it. It is 9.30. I'm Jonah Adi with the WHIO News Update. Our top story we're following this morning, a big cool down. Perfect timing for the first day of fall. Mainly dry for the weekend, but I'm tracking our next chance for rain. I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags. Your exclusive WHIO forecast is coming up. Well, WHIO triple team traffic. We're checking things out on those freeways and the major service streets throughout the Miami Valley. Got a disabled vehicle reported on US 35 westbound near I-75, but that's not causing any slowdown up there. And for the first official weekend of fall, we're going to see temperatures a little below average this afternoon. As you might agree, that's a great way to ring in the colder season. We get into tomorrow, it'll be slightly milder, and we'll keep temperatures seasonal as we head into the early part of next week. 
The good news is this weekend it should be a mainly dry forecast. That's meteorologist McCall Vrydag. She has the exclusive WHIO forecast in just minutes. In Dayton, cops tell us 31-year-old Joshua Cooper will be okay after he was hit by a car trying to run across Wayne Avenue during a shoplifting at a Dollar General. Lieutenant Matt Beavers with Dayton Police says had this to say. If you do get caught stealing, maybe you should just be an adult about it and stop. He did not do that on this day and suffered some very minor injuries. Could have been worse than it was. Fortunately, he will be fine. The damage to the vehicle is very minimal. Lieutenant Beaver says that all that was taken was returned. Let's get a look at that weather forecast now. Here's meteorologist McCall Vrydags with the at most accurate and dependable forecast. Noticeably cooler today, waking up in the 50s, rising to about 68 degrees this afternoon, which is actually below average. We'll keep lots of clouds in place with a slight chance of a stray shower and a bit of a breeze that may make it feel cooler. I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags on the Miami Valley Severe Weather Station, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. The latest scan of the Doppler 7 radar shows we're all clear throughout the Miami Valley, but we have overcast conditions starting to uh, really pick up, especially in the northern Miami Valley. 54 degrees right now in Troy, 57 in Springfield, 57 in Dayton at 932. I'm Jonah Adi, WHIO Continuing News. Hey everybody, Sergeant Mark here. You know, for those of us who own homes, you know maintaining the appearance is very important and painting is vital to creating that great curb appeal. Do you need to freshen up the outside look of your house? If you answered yes, let me make a recommendation to you. Serta Pro Painters has completed several painting projects for me, both interior and exterior. The exterior project was extensive and I couldn't have been happier with the results. Even neighbors were stopping by remarking how great everything looked. You can get a free estimate by calling 800-GO-CERTA, 800-G-O-C-E-R-T-A, CERTA with a C, or go to CertaPro.com. Now, the estimate is just one thing that sets CertaPro apart from other contractors. Everything's clearly spelled out. No surprises. Each CertaPro painter's business is independently owned and operated. CertaPro painters are thorough, reliable. They show up on time, take great pride in their work, and I found them to be easy to work with. CertaPro offers both residential and commercial painting services. The number again, 800-GO-CERTA. CertaPro painters, we do painting, you do life. Good morning, Garden Talk fans. Can you answer this very timely turf question? Hi, this is Randy from Green Velvet Sod Farms. Here's the question. If your green velvet grass seed could talk, what would it be telling you right now? If your answer is, now's the time to plant me, you're right. The very best time to plant grass seed is right now. The days are getting shorter, the moisture in the soil lasts longer, and the competition from weeds are less than any other time of the year. With four locations throughout Dayton and Columbus, solutions to all of your turf and ornamental needs are right around the corner. If you're impatient, don't settle for grass seed. Insist on green velvet Kentucky bluegrass or turf-type tall fescue sod. Just lay it down today and enjoy it tomorrow. It's that easy. Breathe new life into your landscape. Follow us on social media or visit us online to keep up with timely tips for all of your landscaping questions. It's easy to be green with Green Velvet, your trusted lawn and landscape resource for the last 59 years and growing. When the kettle whistles like that, it means it's um, done. Oh, right. You've got that thousand yard stare. At one in the morning, what gives? It's Medicare. I need to pick a plan. I get it. You used to have an HR person for this sort of stuff. Exactly. And now... You're the HR person. I don't want to be the HR person. You don't have to be if you pick Anthem Medicare. With their shopping tool, you just answer eight simple questions to find a plan that's best for you. Are they actually simple? Yeah. No PhD necessary. Sounds good. Now, what are we drinking? A little passion flower action what? <laughs> Whatever my wife buys. Okay. Not a tea guy. Got it. Go to bed. For all the things that keep you up at night, Anthem Medicare has a solution, like their simplified online Medicare shopping tool. Eight simple questions to find a plan that's best for you. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Rest easy. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of community insurance company. Anthem is a Medicare Advantage and prescription drug plan with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Anthem depends on contract renewal. This is Clark Howard. If breaking news happens, we break in anytime. It's an Ask the Experts weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news weather and traffic station, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Welcome back to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. 457-1290 if you'd like to join the conversation today. That's 937-457-1290. 
Also, feel free to drop us an email at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. Today, our program is about the face of addiction, a singular struggle with opioid addiction, but one that is certainly uh, something that a lot of people can identify with around our country and certainly in our community here. What happens to one person's life uh, on the way into addiction? How does it happen? Uh, what happens when uh, they move from this sort of um, legitimate state of addiction, which is a weird way to put it, and that is because so many people become addicted over prescription uh, medications to things that are more illicit behavior, uh, more uh, breaking of trust and breaking of the law and so forth. Our guest today to discuss a lot of this is Billy Brockschmidt, and uh, welcome back to the program again. Thank you. Yeah. So as we went to the break, we were uh, you, you had mentioned the idea of uh, repeatedly pawning an Xbox mm-hmm. for one of your, your kids is one of the things that uh, happened to you. Uh, also that you had been court-martialed, had done time in prison, had not received any kind of treatment, uh, but that the psychological part of things had hijacked everything anyway. Even if you had gotten past certain physical withdrawal, your life was connected correct, to the pursuit of opiates. Uh, you lost your principal relationship in the course of this, right? Your, your wife? Absolutely. Yeah. Once this became, uh, uh, you know, once the court martial and stuff happened, uh, it became public, you know, everybody knew what was going on. And that was, it, it was, it was very, I don't, I'm not upset with her. You know, that was a very humiliating thing for her to go through. And plus I deceived her. I lied to her this, that whole time about like, no, honey, I'm not addicted. I'm fine. So what happened then as that kind of behavior continued for you with your family? Well, with the family, you know, the the first person that someone in active addiction generally goes after, and I don't mean, I mean, like when we steal stuff, for example, usually it's the family because we know they'll forgive us, you know, mm-hmm. at least for a little bit, you know, there, there's usually a breaking point, but, um, yeah, generally we go after the family first, you know, I would, I would steal things, uh, from everybody in my, if you let me into your house, I would, I was probably gonna take some stuff. And it, it got to the point where I remember at one uh, one year for Thanksgiving, you know, my, my sister wouldn't let me in the house. She brought me a plate of food out to the car and I could sit out there and eat it. But she, she legitimately could not trust me to be in her home, you know, because I would take her children's stuff and go sell it. This so, is just a voracious and, appetite to keep it was bottomless. the bank account, you know, absolutely the, yeah. the figurative bank account flush. And, and at that point, did you have any reflection on that or were you going like, man, what am I going to do? I can't continue on like this or did were you at a point you just didn't care well not not then not, not then and I, th- I like your word hijacked uh, I think that's a good that, that's a good way to describe what happens to it so my my one and only all-consuming thought was don't get dope sick all right and if I have to steal from my mom my sister you know whoever to, to make that happen uh, that's what's that's what we're gonna do and you know there was it, it extended beyond them eventually they wouldn't like I said they wouldn't let me in the houses no more so I had to find other ways to, to right. do it and we and wow. you know we'd get, I'd get together with groups of people and uh, and we, we'd scam people out of their money. You know, we'd talk them out of it. We'd create a ridiculous scenario that only cash right now could fix. And you'd be surprised how often. Uh, I mean, we had I had a three hundred dollar a day habit at one point, and that's that's how I got most of that money. You mentioned one uh, lady you hung out with. What mm-hmm. was what was that scheme? Yeah, so we would uh, we would very commonly go to like grocery stores, and uh, she she was a cute little girl, right? So she would get some stuff. Uh, like some baby stuff, maybe some milk, you know, stuff like that. And she'd take a credit card with her that she knew wasn't going to work. And uh, when it didn't work, uh, inevitably, whoever was behind her bought her the stuff that was in the cart and then would give her 50, 60 bucks when she left. And we did this five, six times a day, every day for a year. And so the whole life really revolves around this, this, uh, you know, maybe you sleep and a lot of times I guess you don't sleep, but Mm -hmm. it's this constant satisfying of of the need to not be dope sick. So how many times in a day are we talking here? Well, at, at its peak, uh, I mean, I had I, it had to be at least at least three times a day before because like what we have in Dayton is fentanyl. It doesn't last as long as like here. If you were to get like straight heroin, it lasts most of the day, a, a relatively small dose. Fentanyl's over in a couple hours. So it, as soon as as soon as you get right, you're starting to think about, OK, what's the next game? Where we're going to go to next? Because, you know, that later in that day, it's you're going to have mail. another thing. Yeah, it's in the mail. It's coming very soon. So the, the detox. So. So uh, the hijacking thing is true, uh, not only in terms of your need for a coping mechanism, but in terms of what you do. Absolutely. You know, I don't care what your job was before. Your job now is, is to avoid that next sickness. That's correct. That's a very good way to describe it, yes. Okay. So, you know, a lot of people will hear, um, okay, so you go through addiction, regardless of whether you got into this through this 80% number you said of people who start with the doctor and legitimate prescriptions or whether they were party monsters, you know, if mm-hmm. a lot of people still have the mentality that everything is Woodstock, you know, gotcha. that, that kind of mo- motif. Um, 
when you're when you're trying to turn from that and come out, what's going on? What gets you to that point? You know, people like throw they love to throw around the phrase rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And for people there some people there is no bottom. You know, the the recidivism rate is very, very high for addiction for a lot of people. They keep failing over and over and over again. But let's start about at least let's talk at least about the first time you start to try to turn around. What's going on there? What gets you to that point? Well, you're absolutely right. You do in the recovery world. You hear that term rock bottom all the time. Right now, that's not a. I don't generally use that because um, where I was when I decided to turn around, things were bad, but they could have been worse. uh, You know. But I will say this without question: a certain level of discomfort had to be present before I was willing to to ask for help. So for for me personally, you know, I was living in a car up here in Ohio. So though the windows had been busted out, one of the times I'd overdosed the fire department, I'd lock myself in the car and the fire department busted my windows to, to get me out. I, I don't know why they needed to break all the windows, but they did. <laughs> and, uh, so, so I was living in a car in Ohio with, with just some plastic to keep the cold out in the wintertime. Right. So I didn't have any gas in the car. I couldn't, I couldn't keep the car running to keep warm. I had a blanket on the back seat. I couldn't drive myself to a, a gas station to even use a restroom. I had to run off in the woods in the snow to go to the bathroom and come back to the freezing car. So, but, but it could have been worse. I could have not had that car. It, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So that's sure. why from, at least for me, I don't use that term rock bottom very often. Uh, but certainly uh, it has to be a little uncomfortable. If you're comfortable, you know, and, and this is where a lot of, uh, you know, the word enabling comes in a lot. Um, if, if my family's taking care of all my other needs, you know, my food, clothing and shelter and everything, I'm, there's not a lot of motivation for me to stop doing what I'm doing as far as, you know, seeking treatment goes. So I do think you have to be a little bit uncomfortable, but I, I, I don't think it's necessary for you to have lost absolutely everything. I think it's different for, for each addict, you know, recovery is as different from the people. It's as different as the people that are going through it. So different question. Yeah. No, I was just uh, noting when you would say you have to have a level of discomfort. Yeah. You don't mean the discomfort of detox. You mean no, discomfort no. in human a discomfort in it, my living conditions at the time. Go. Absolutely. Yeah. And, right. and and there was there was another factor too. I had lost some people in my life that I I just I was unwilling to have lost them, you know. And, and I don't just mean to death. I mean like personal relationships, right. pe- people that were very close to me that will never speak to me again because of the things I put them through during active addiction. Right. We have one caller here. Uh, let's welcome James to the program. James, welcome to There is a Season. How are you? James. Hey, can you hear me, James? Yeah, it's five James, I can barely hear you there. You on a cell phone? All right, we'll try that again maybe in just a, in a little bit. Uh, so uh, let's, let's start about, uh, you want to start to turn this around. There's probably some gray area, I'm assuming, um, where... Uh, let me just make sure that's off there okay uh where you're thinking yeah this is really pretty darn uncomfortable but it's not the same as somebody you know putting a lighter under your finger where you know where you're going to jump right Mm -hmm. uh you you don't like having to go to the bathroom in the woods you don't like freezing your rear end off in a car but you've done done it nine times and so you know you might be in that gray zone of saying what's another time going to matter really but but where do you finally make a phone call where do you finally say hey somebody come help me and and really mean it not just i need a place to sleep for tonight yeah well that that kind of was it for me i was i was somewhere you know i'd parked uh i'd parked uh, on a street in in west Dayton, and i had no way to get anywhere right so i i the only thing i had was my phone right my sister always kept my phone on for me so that i could always call her in the case of an emergency and it got to the point where like i was completely unable to uh to supply dope to myself anymore. I had no way to earn any kind of money and I was I was hungry. I was sitting in this car hungry. I needed I needed help, right? So I didn't necessarily ask for treatment right away, but when I called my family and asked them for, you know, hey sis, can you bring me some food or something? You can put like five bucks in the car. And she said, Yeah, yeah, Billy, I can. But I need you to talk to these people first. All right. And that's how it started for me. But like I said, th- that, that process is going to be different for just about every person that you speak to. And I would assume that even aside from stealing or anything you did that w- with regard to your family, that charity, there, there was probably a, a, a window of charity where people felt like, OK, we'll help him out. We'll give him a little bit of money. We'll give him a blanket. We'll give him whatever. Mm-hmm. But when did it suddenly become kind of conditional where they said there's a limit to this yeah, charity we're not going to keep doing this because that's going to further enable you you know you would have to ask <laughs> you'd have to ask my sister that but i do know there was a breaking point for for uh my sisters and my mother at some point where they were where, where they did they cut me off from just about everything they like, look billy we're we're not going to continue to do this to you because even you wouldn't think that providing food for somebody is a bad thing but but here's the thing every meal that my family bought me meant one that i didn't have to use my dope money for 
Right. You see what I'm saying? So I can take that money and put it to other areas. And that's exactly what I was doing. And they knew that. And they, it, it, you know, it took a while, but they eventually got wise and said, look, we're, if, if you want our help, this is the help that we can give you. And, and it's treatment. So. And that's where that tough love, but man, heartbreaking for your family. It was, yeah, no I doubt. mean, I'm sitting here going, yeah, how I'm can gonna... you not take a meal to your son? Yeah, yeah talk you know about he's starving. That I mean, we're going to get to families of, of, of addicts, which is the organization you're worth. Absolutely. Now. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a second, but talk about what the families go through in that whole process. Well, it's it's difficult for me to describe because my my perspective is from the addict, but I, but I can tell you that uh, I know um, if my mom hadn't had, uh, sh- she was lucky enough to have to know another mother, all right, that she worked with that was that had already gone through what my mom was going through. Had she not had that, I, th- I mean, she may have, she might still not be talking to me. Um, she, I. Put in perspective, I was clean a year and I mean, at least 14 months I was clean. And keep in mind, I work with law enforcement every day. She knew what I was doing. Uh, but it was uh, at least 14 months before she would let me back into her house. Trust was completely destroyed. Right. It was not, you know, it, it was not safe for her to let me in there. And I can only speculate on what it's like to feel that way about my child. Yeah, you know, it, it had baby, to be. Right? It had to be horrible, right? Yeah, and you put away all the photos of when they were little, and, you know, because you don't want it. You don't want that memory, right? And and it would bring up the, you know, I brought out the very worst in her. You know, she, I, her only way to communicate with me at some point was was to yell at me. She did. She was so frustrated because everything she had tried as far as being kind and and trying to do this, you know, in a traditional mother way, had failed over and over again because I wouldn't. I was not ready to accept any kind of help. I was. I was fine where I was. So, so the addict has to be ready to accept that help. without at, question. Yeah, I have never. You can't force it upon somebody. I it have, will fail at any one time. I have at least twenty clients. I have never talked a single one of them into getting clean. That's a choice they have to make. They have to come. Yeah. For I can it. help them with it, but I can't make the decision for them. Absolutely. Right. So let's talk again about that. Let's say uh, now you're you're starting. How many times did you mention? I forgot in the presentation that you tried to get clean and get well. Well, if you count overall attempts, I got it over 15 years. I tried about 11 times. I had three times where I went through treatment, though. And, a program. Yeah, where I went through a program like a residential treatment facility somewhere. And that and I got lucky. Most people have to go about seven times. That really? Correct, to- yeah. But you re- you can recall about, you say about 11 times that you you made a choice even that I tried, yeah. but you tried. What was, tell, let's talk uh, about those first steps. What would you do? Well, gen- my, my solution for a very long time was to just run away, right? I would go somewhere else. I would go to a different part of the country. Several times I was in Florida, Kentucky. One time I went to Wichita, freaking Kansas. I thought for sure I would <laughs> be away, safe there. Get away from the problem. Yeah, right. Because it's in the middle of a wheat field. What damage can, can find me there? I, you know, I, I found dope within three days. And that was kind of an eye opener for me. That was when I realized that, you know, if I'm looking for it, you know, unfortunately in this country, I'm going to find it. You know, the, the price may vary a little bit, but if I want to find it, I will find it. Everywhere. At, anywhere I go. Yep. And so the, those 11 attempts, you know, a lot of those involved change of, change of scenery, change of friends, yep. right? I, I would just, it was relocation was, was the big. And then once there, my, you would establish essentially the same lifestyle of living that loop of absolutely. not getting sick. Yeah, I would find those same people, and, and you know, you, you we, we recognize each other. People in active addiction, we know we know what to look for. You know, when we're when we're looking, and, and honestly, a lot of times it's just a matter of going to the right part of town or the, or the wrong part of town, rather. So, and you, I mean, that that first day you're there, you're looking, you know, you got to eat still, right? You need mm-hmm. a roof or, or a car over your head or something, right? Well, I had family that I went to stay with out there. That's that's what took me out there. I had an uncle out there that was willing to try to help me. Of course, I did the same thing yeah. to him, though. Because so. he didn't have any idea of the level at he, which you were He operating. had an idea. He didn't know how bad it was. Th- the things sure. you would be willing to do Absolutely to not. get he, your fix. Yeah, he had no he was, idea. Oh, he would never do that to me, I'm sure was what he was thinking. So Right, right, which we it, would all think, yeah, right? And, yeah. and there are times where you may you may put yourself in the position of thinking you're the savior or thinking that you're equipped to do this, and it's really, you know, as, as talented as you might be or as, as generous as somebody might be in loving another human being, they may. St- it's not about them. It's about the person Absolutely. who's right. got the addiction. Correct. Yeah. So then when you tried treatment, describe what that was like. Well, the first uh, the first two times it was more under uh, uh, the second time, especially was done under pressure from outside forces. My, my girlfriend at the time, uh, she, she paid for it out of pocket. I had no I had no insurance and she just paid six grand to put me in uh, into treatment down there in Kentucky. 
um, I, I, I was not ready. You know, even when I was in the treatment center, I was making plans with, with the people in there. So like you can't have a phone in there with you, obviously. Right. But everybody gets this piece of notebook paper and we all write each other's names and phone numbers down. So as soon as you graduate, those are the people you're hanging out with. And, and both of those first two attempts, I was getting high within three days of a, or, well, at least within a week. Of uh, of us getting out because I jumped right back in with the same with the so same you go, people. You go through the motions of, uh, you know, getting your nutrition right and having your group sessions, maybe yeah. having one on one sessions. But so what happens is you become so dependent on on the on the drug for your everyday life, right? So that even though, yeah, in the back of my mind, I didn't want to be an addict. I honestly did not know any other way to live. And once it beca- even though I was asking for the help, once it became real. Once the help became real and, and I had to think to myself, man, I'm not going to get high anymore. That, that's a terrifying thing for, for someone in early recovery to, to get over. And, and a, lot of, a lot of people fail at it. That's why it takes multiple attempts. But I do believe this with all my heart. If you try enough times, you will get clean. So We're going to come back with more here in just a moment. And let, let us just let everybody know we're going to have uh, Billy back to the program perhaps several times uh, this year. There's a lot uh, that he's going to share with us, and we welcome, obviously, the input of other people. So if you're hearing this program today and like to leave a message for us or get in touch, 457-1290, also feel free to write us at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. When we come back, we're going to talk about what Billy's doing right now in terms of the, the groups he's working with and some of the people he's trying to help, and also uh, some numbers you can contact, some resources you can get in touch with for yourself or someone you may love. All of that's still ahead on There is a Season when we continue. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. The Miami Valley's only radio station for 24-hour breaking news, weather and traffic. AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Hey, it's 3 a.m. and the ticking clock seems as loud as a jackhammer and instead of dreaming about marshmallow clouds and, I don't know, running with antelopes... You're having night sweats and worried about your parents and their medical bills. They're older, you're stressed, I get it. But losing sleep over a few questions about a medical bill isn't going to help. What will is knowing your parents have Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield. They provide real people to talk to who can help right then and there on the phone. It's this really crazy notion Anthem likes to call doing the right thing. So your parents will get the care they need, you'll feel more confident than ever, and those antelopes, well, they're about to get their running partner back. For all the things that keep you up at night, Anthem Medicare has a solution. Real people empowered to get you on the right track so you can rest easy. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Rest easy. To learn more, visit resteasy-anthem.com. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of the Anthem Insurance Companies, Inc., independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. At Miami Valley Gaming, a Buckeye in your pocket is lucky. And with over 1,800 gaming machines... Hey, Lucy. Oh, wow. It's Bucky, the Buckeye Farmer. Who are you talking to? I'm talking to the people. So there's tiny people inside the microphones? Awesome. Aw, Bucky. Visit Miami Valley Gaming just off I-75 at exit 29. Get ready to get lucky. Must be 21. Gambling problem in Ohio? Call the gambling helpline at 1-800-589-9966. In 1932, Grismer Tire was founded on the idea that through hard work and dedication, you could create a legacy of trust. Today, that legacy continues. Grismer works hard to be the most trusted tire and service experts in the area. We guarantee our everyday low cost. Get four free oil changes with the purchase of four new tires. It's a Grismer tradition. Grismer Tire, a legacy of trust since 19. 1932. Visit GrismerTire.com today. Is your company a member of Dayton Defense? If not, learn how you can benefit from becoming a member. O'Neill's integrated approach to product support puts the right information in the right hands at the right time with operating and repair manuals, parts manuals, and e-commerce interactive manuals, website advanced diagnostics and troubleshooting training, and e-learning. They create high-quality product support information and apply technology solutions to connect it to users. See them online at O'Neill.com. Dayton Defense, the voice of the defense community. Check DaytonDefense.org. Subway Restaurant's new chef-inspired sandwiches sound so tasty, I can't decide which one to try first. Maybe a big turkey Philly. You guys really pack them with more meat than the everyday hoagie. Or uh, I'm going to try the rotisserie salad chicken parm with the perfectly seasoned marinara. Could lasso me up the big melty roast beef with spicy brown mustard plus plenty of meat and fixings. Or sample the exotic flavors of a fusion tuna melt topped with pickled onions and teriyaki glaze. 
Inspired by chefs around the world and locally crafted at Subway? I think I just talked myself into trying them all. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Flu season is rearing its coughing, aching, feverish head. Protect yourself in just minutes with a flu shot from Discount Drug Mart. No appointment necessary. Most insurance plans accepted with a zero copay for most Medicare, Medicaid, and several private plans. Discount Drug Mart saves you the runaround. Fall officially begins today, not until later this evening, but it certainly feels like fall with temperatures rising only to about the upper 60s this afternoon, which in fact is below average. We'll keep lots of clouds in place with perhaps a passing shower across the far south along with a little bit of a breeze. Later on tonight, clouds decrease. We fall to a low near 52 degrees, rising to about the low to mid-70s on Sunday with more sunshine. I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags in the Miami Valley Severe Weather Station, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. When the Miami Valley gets hit with breaking news, severe weather, or traffic tie-ups, depend on us for up-to-the-minute information. AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Welcome back to There's a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. And with us today is Billy Brockschmidt. We have a, a short time remaining here in the program. If you've called in or you're, you're trying to call in or would like to call in or you want to hear parts of the show again, whatever it is, uh, again, the contact points for us are Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com or you can check out the podcast of this program at thereisaseasonshow.com. Go to the podcast link and the program will be up there in a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks, a couple of days. And you can share that with your family, listen to it, download it to your digital device, and you can hear the interview in its entirety. All right, we got just a moment left. Yep, so we got, we got to have some hope here. So a couple things, Billy. What's keeping you sober and straight now? And what are you doing with your life now? What are your hopes for people and families of addicts? Well, the uh, the thing I'm the thing that has kept me, that helped me out the most, without question, number one is support. This last time I tried to get clean, and I get asked this question all, all the time, Billy, what was the difference this time and all the other times you tried, yeah. right? Without question, it's the support. And I got that primarily at two places. One was my family, mm-hmm. and the other one was at uh, FOA, at Families of Addicts. And that's who, uh, that's who I do. I spend all of my time, uh, all of my professional and personal okay. time. Tell us good. about that, Families of Addicts. Yeah, so FOA is a support and advocacy group for anybody affected by addiction. Uh, we welcome everybody there. We're in six different counties right now. Uh, wow. The big meeting is in Dayton. We usually have about 90 people show up every Wednesday. And these are people that are in all phases of recovery, mm-hmm. right, as well as family members, people that have never touched a drug in their life, but someone they care about has and they don't know what to do. Okay. Right. And so and so they come to us to, to learn how to deal with it. And one of the things that I found so beneficial is when, like a parent, for example, to speak to another parent that has already gone through what they're just now experiencing for the first time, you know, because when, right. you're, when your kid comes to you and says, hey, I'm addicted. Okay, so that's that's day one for you in that right. life as a right. parent, all right? You and you have no experience on how to deal with it, right? So if you you can come to FOA and learn what's working and what's not working, and and it's going to be different for everybody, but you can get an idea of what's going on there, yeah, you know, that's, that, and that's one of many things that we do there. We also do right. a lot of advocacy uh, advocacy work, you know, just uh, most <laughs> a huge portion of my day is just connecting people with treatment. You know, right. that, that I do that most of the day. Which is key, right. If you're interested in that website, it is foafamilies.org, uh, foafamilies.org. There is also, of course, the Montgomery County Drug-Free Coalition with its mcdrugfree.org. However, we wanted to make the point, and we uh, talked to Billy about this beforehand, uh, those are fine to go through those websites and call the numbers and so forth, but the best way for someone going through addiction to really access this program in a, in a streamlined way is to contact somebody like Billy himself. And uh, we have his phone number for you. What is that number? It is 937-231-2914. And like, you can also go on FOA's website and uh, you, you can, if you can't get a hold of me, you can go there and, and they'll have some help for you there too. We are out of time, but we are going to have Billy back, and we're also going to talk more about the the problem of addiction and some other things in the next several weeks. We encourage you to tune in every Saturday at 9 o'clock for more of this program. Thank you for spending some of your day with us. Remember, dear friends, do not regret growing older. It is a privilege denied to many. From our downtown Dayton McAfee Heating and Air Studios, WHIO AM Dayton, WHIO FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station.